Welcome to the sermon podcast from Compass Church. In this July 18th, 2021 message, Luke Hedinger continues our What is the Bible series with part 10, Church. Honing in on Acts chapter 2 and God's vision for the church, Luke highlights the power that we have when God's Spirit makes His dwelling with people who are united on mission. For more information, check out compasscfc.com. I, I love... I love how, how we can come together. I'm making sure I'm on. I love how we can come together and, and people like Amy can bring their gifts. Um, and, and we get to experience that because, um, man, praise God, I can't do that, right? Um, yeah, thank you so much, Amy. Thank you, thank you to uh, everybody who's helping out with worship this morning. Um, it is, it's an incredible thing to be able to worship in different ways and, and know that we don't just it's not just worship when the drums are really on, right? It's, uh, it's worship in, in different ways because we worship a God who is worthy of worship and is, is unique and, and different and, and majestic and all these different things, and we get to worship him. Uh, so praise God for that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 is where we're going to be looking at today, and we are continuing it. Well, first of all, if you don't know me, my name is Luke. Um, I'm one of the, the, the people who get to help with, uh, with worship, and every now and then I get to do this. So it is, it is an awesome, uh, incredible honor to be able to open up the word with you this morning. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to continue our walk through uh, this, this series, What is the Bible?, and, and for those of you who don't know, maybe you're new, uh, you're scanning that QR code, ready for your coffee card, um, just, you know, be, hit pause on that for a second. For those of you who, who are new, what we're doing in this series is we're taking a step back and we're trying to see the, the forest and, and not, get, not get lost in the trees, Right? It's, it's awesome to focus on the trees and, and, and do scripture memory and those different things. Those are vital to, to our faith. And yet it is also vital to step back and remember that that verse has a context in a chapter. And that chapter has a context in a book. And that book has a context in this incredible biblical narrative. Okay? And, and, and we get to be a part of that. We are a part of that, that, that God is writing, the story that God's writing that started in Genesis 1 and will continue through the end of Revelation. And we are in the middle of it. And it is a beautiful thing to take a step back and, and see those things. And so um, to, to help us understand these different moves that we've been, been going through, we have hand motions. You guys excited? All right, we, we only have a few more weeks of this, so we just have a few more weeks to really nail these down, okay? So go ahead and stand up with me. The first service, I'm just going to let you know, first service, they nailed it. So you, ha- you have a lot to live up to, okay? Um, but you really got to help me because I was even practicing this this morning. It's like, okay, what are these again? We're going to do it together. We're going to get there. So I'm going to count down, and then we're going to do it together, all right? So three, two, one, creation. Fall, Abraham, Exodus, Torah, David, prophets, Jesus and his kingdom, Jesus and his cross, church, Paul, Revelation. Hey, we did it. All right. You can give yourself a hand. Um, you might be saying, Why, what was that? Um, why we're doing that, why we do those hand motions is because we all learn differently. 
Okay, and, and, and I don't know about you, but when, when I add something to the things that I'm learning, it sticks. Even as I was thinking about that this morning, going through it in my head, okay, I don't want to look like a fool. So, you know, some of that's debatable. Um, but I, I kept thinking, okay, what's, what's after this? And it's so cool that we get this cemented in our head that these are the big moves of Scripture. As we're thinking about this biblical narrative, these are some of the big things that we see and they keep coming up and they keep popping up. And this morning, what we're going to be looking at is, is this one. Okay, You know what this one is? The church, right. We're looking at the church. And as we're looking at the church through this lens of biblical narrative, uh, I think we have to ask the question, or the question I've been asking is, well, what is the church? As we're thinking about what is the Bible? And as we're taking a step back and as we're looking at all these different things, and, and I love, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 2, and I love that as we're looking at Acts 2, there are so many different things that, that, you know, Craig has been kind of pulling these pins out of grenades all throughout this series. And as we look at the church, some of them start going off. Some of them start, start just remembering, like, oh, I've seen that before. I've, I've heard of this, and I, I've seen this, and I see how it's like we're getting to the end of the movie and, and things like the, that happened in the beginning now are starting to come back up. And it's like, oh, you know, this obscure fact. It's like, I see it again. You know, oh, it is Superman. He just, just didn't have his glasses on. You know, it's like these, these things are starting to come up. And I love it when we're looking at the church because, because when we ask the question, what is the church? We all have an answer for that. We all have an answer for that. Because we've all experienced the church. And, and when I mean the church, you know, it's like in quotations. Because, because we know, most of us know, like the church just isn't just this building. The church is a body of believers coming together. And yet, and yet also we have this experience of, well, the church is also an institution. And there's broken people trying to figure these things out. We, but we all have an experience. We can all have an answer to this question, what is the church? Whether you've been, whether you were born in the church or whether you've never stepped foot in the church, that, that's true. We all have an experience. Some of you may be like me, you have an experience where, where you would say, man, if I'm asking what is the church, the church is this place that, that I've experienced healing. The church is this body of believers, from different multi-generational body of believers that, that has come together and has has held my family together as we've gone through health crises. They were the ones that came together and held us as we wept. The church is, is, is the place where I came and I found life and community and, and acceptance. That, that could be your experience. Some people, though, maybe they have a different experience. And, and even for me, I have that experience and I have the other experience where, where I could say, well, the church is where I experienced abuse. The church is the place where, where I, can't, I can't let people see who I really am because if I let them see who I really am, then I would never fit. I'd never belong. If, they, if, if the church knew what I really thought and some of my, some of my fears and some of my anxieties, then I, just, I, I would be an outsider. The, the, there are some people who would say, well, I know what the church is. The church is a political entity working to push this agenda or that agenda. The church is, the church is, is a, have anybody heard? Well, the church, I know what the church is. The church is the place where hypocrites are. Anybody heard that before? A few of you, right? We've all heard these different things, and, and the, the fact, the reality is that they can all be true at different times. 
And those, those experiences, we can say, well, I know what the church is because it's kind of like, um, like when, when I, uh, my relationship with sushi. <laughs> I, I tried sushi one time when, a long time ago. I had sushi. We were at this nice restaurant. My wife was like, here, try this. You'll love it. And, you know, it's like this, this sushi roll. And I was like, how do I eat this? Do I, do I just take a bite? Like, and she's like, no, you can't take a bite because it will fall apart. It's wrapped in seaweed. And, all and it's just like, you just got to pop it in your mouth. It's delicious. So I'm like, okay, I don't know. And I pop it in my mouth. And all of a sudden, like, my gag reflexes start going. It's just this cold, slimy, like, you know, and, and my mouth is full of it. And we're in a nice restaurant, so you can't just spit it back out. You know, you can't put it in your napkin because it's cloth. And, and so, like, I'm having this, like, just, and I'm just really trying. Some of you are like, please stop, right? Because you know what I'm talking about. I'm, I'm swallowing right now because I'm, I'm right back there. And I, I got it. I got it forced down. But after that, it's like, yeah, I've tried sushi. Been there, done that. We'll never do it again. Like, fool me once, shame on you, right? Until I went out with, with some friends, uh, and, and it was kind of one, I, I can't remember exactly what the experience was, but it was one of those where you can't say no. Like, you know, they're like, we're going to go have sushi. It's going to be great. It's on me. And it's like, okay, I bet I can find some French fries or something, you know, at the sushi place. And so we go out, and they're like, here, here, try this. It's awesome. I'm like, I've been here before, right? Done this before. And they're like, no. This is fried sushi. It's like, what? There's fried sushi? And a fried sushi full of cream cheese and, you know, avocado. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, and it's still very leery. But I pop it in my mouth and it's the angels started singing. And it's like, you know, I, it's like this can be sushi? Like this? Because, again, before that, it's like, oh, I know what that is. You ask me if I want to come eat sushi, I know what that is. But, but it wasn't until I experienced something completely different that it was like, okay, maybe I don't know what sushi is. Maybe I experienced it and it was terrible and it was disgusting and I never wanted to go back. But if, if it can be different, if it can be something like this, maybe I, maybe I don't know what it is. And see, as we look at the church, because obviously the church is a, a little bit bigger deal than sushi, but as we look at the church, I think that some of us can say, oh, I've been there, I've done that, and, and maybe you're here in church, and so maybe I'm just preaching to the choir, but I think there's all of us who, who maybe if we're real, we can say, I'm a little guarded, right? I'm, I'm a little guarded of this thing because I've experienced some really hard stuff, and I've gone through seasons that are, that are pretty traumatic, and, and I don't know, but, but I think the question I have to ask, that we have to ask ourselves is, does my experience... Does that really inform what church is really meant to be? The body of believers coming together, it is my experience, does that really inform what church is really meant to be? So this morning as we look at scripture and as we take a step back, my prayer is that we'll see something a little bit different. If you would stand with me, we're going we're gonna to read Acts 2. And again, as we read Acts 2, we're going back to where the church was birthed, where it began to look and say, okay, what can the church be? What, what was the church meant to be? What does it look like? So the, the scripture's up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles. But uh, we're going we're gonna to read this. And we're going from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. And then we're going to skip ahead to, to 42 through 47. So it says, When the day of Pentecost arrived, 
They were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Let's, let's pray. God, we thank you for your, for your word. We praise you, God, that even though our experiences can be one thing, we praise you, God, that we can, we can take a step back and we can just even, even approach church with curiosity. So God, I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would speak this morning. Use my words. Give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. And it's in your name. Amen. You can be seated. What I want to do is as we look at where the church started, I want to look at a few different things. And, and as we do, I want to look at uh, a, different, a few different illustrations that especially Paul uses to describe what we see in the birth of the church. Okay, the first thing that we see, uh, again, given a little bit of context, there, there are about, I believe there are about 120 people gathered together in this upper room. Where we get the number 120 is in verse, uh, verse 15, where Peter stands up among the brothers and those who were gathered there, and it says 120 in all. I believe that's kind of the same context that we're looking at. So there's 120 people in this upper room, uh, could be the same place that they had, uh, that they had the, uh, wow, my Passover, Passover, uh, just a, a little bit before this, about 40 days before, before this experience. And so they're all there, they're praying, they're, they're waiting for this, this, this gift of the Spirit to come. This thing that Jesus promised uh, before he was taken up into heaven. And all of a sudden, as they're praying, what do we see happen? What happens? Huh? Fire, right? Fire comes, rushing wind comes, and I love how Luke describes it. Luke is the author of Acts. Luke describes it, and, and he doesn't say a wind came. He's saying like a rushing wind or like tongues of fire. He's trying to, trying to use like physical language to describe a spiritual encounter. And I love it because as we look at this, again, it's the reminder uh, of what we've seen all through this series as we take a step back and look at the Bible as we see natural and supernatural coming together, right? We see, we see natural, these men and women from all different backgrounds and tax collectors and fishermen and, and uh, people who used to be demon-possessed and all these different people coming together, natural, and tongues of fire coming on their heads, natural or supernatural? Supernatural, right. If, if, if that's happening to you, then either you're in real trouble or God's doing something amazing, right? But natural, supernatural coming together, and what we know to be true about that, as we've seen all throughout Scripture, is that when the natural, supernatural come together, that is where God's Spirit dwells. And what we see in this as, we, as, as Luke is describing this 
He's saying something as like a rushing wind and as tongues of fire. These are, this is the same language used throughout Scripture to describe God's presence. I mean, if you, if you look in Exodus 3, um, God speaks to Moses from the what? Burning bush, bush Right? burning bush. We see in, uh, in, later on in, in Exodus when, when God is leading the Israelites out of Egypt, how does he lead them? How does he guide them? With a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. All throughout scripture we see that this is how God chooses to reveal himself. Wind and fire in Exodus uh, 19, verses 16 through 18, this is the place where, where Moses is, is basically introducing the Israelites to God. It, it kind of, I don't know, to me it's, it's kind of a funny like, Israelites, God, God, Israelites. And, and this is how it describes it. Uh, on the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. So real quick, that same language there, um, some commentators say that that is the same language that describes uh, that like a rushing wind. Like the thunder and lightning, it's, it's like the storm is happening on top of this mountain. Okay, so, so it's the same type of language, loud trumpet blast, so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. As, as the Israelites are being introduced to God, what do they see? Fire. Fire, wind, power, trembling. All these different things. I mean, all throughout Second uh, Chronicles 7, you see the same thing as they're dedicating the temple. In, in Exodus, the same thing when they're dedicating the tabernacle. It's filled with this cloud. It's the same language as this rushing wind. And what we see is not only in Acts 2, not only do we see a pillar of fire now guiding the, the, the disciples of Jesus, but we see individual pillars of fire coming down to rest on who? On all of them, right? On all the ones who were gathered in this place. Now they have individual pillars of fire resting over their heads. What is the significance? What do we see there? God is not only saying, hey, I want to be with you. But now he's saying, I am in you. My presence dwells in you. Isn't that beautiful? It's the, it's the progression of all of scripture. We see when, when uh, men and women were created, God is walking with them. God is, God is in relationship with them. And, and yet then we see sin entered the world and things went off the rails. And, and Genesis 11 and then Genesis 12, we see that God comes to, to one man and says, I'm going to be your God. God is desiring to be with his people. And he picks one man, but he doesn't want to just bless that one man. He picks him so that... Right? Do you remember that? So that he will be a blessing to the who? All nations. Right. So I'm going to bless you. I'm going to show, I'm going to make your name great so that you'll be a blessing to the nations. And then they become a nation and God uses that nation to show all the nations. And then we see Jesus come on the scene, Emmanuel, God with us. God tabernacling with his people dwelling with his people. And then Jesus says, hey, it's better for me or better for you if I go away, which blows my mind, 
right? Because if I had the choice between Jesus and not Jesus, I think I would pick Jesus, like just hanging out. Like if I have a problem, hey, Jesus, what do you think about this? But he's saying, no, it's better for you if I go away. Why? Because the comforter will come. You see, the progression is, is I want to be with you. I'm going to be tabernacling with you. I'm going to be in the temple with you. Now I'm dwelling with you in bodily form. Now I'm in you. Paul, Paul describes it this way in, in uh, Ephesians 2, 19 through 22. He says, you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You see, Paul describes this, this indwelling by saying, you, we, church, we are now the temple of God. Amen? We are now the temple of God. Elsewhere, he says, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. In you and in me. And he, he says, we are now the holy temple. We are the building where in the Old Testament, people would come to the temple and they would, they would say, I want to experience God. I want forgiveness for my sins. And, and they would go to the temple to experience God. Now Paul says, that's you. And that's me. We are the building of God's presence. Now, there, there are so many ways that that, so many things that, that that signifies. There are so many things that that could mean for us. And yet, there, one of the things that really stuck out to me is that things happen and change when, when, when we have presence with us. Right? Things change when, when we experience presence. When, uh, when, I, when we were living up in Iowa, um, we were driving this truck. My wife and I, we were young. Our kids were real, really young. We were pastoring a church up there. And we were driving home one night. Uh, it was a, I mean, it was a pretty nice truck, Dodge pickup truck uh, that we were driving. And all of a sudden, my wife was driving. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, this deer just jumps. And she just plows them on the, on the right side, passenger side of our, of our vehicle. You know, and if you've ever had that experience, I had never hit a deer before. And if you've ever had that experience, you have that adrenaline rush. And it's like, <gasps> you know, that, that whole experience. And, and you know, we, we kind of pulled over. And I'm, I'm saying, hey, babe, you did a great job. She's crying. You did a great job. You did exactly what you're supposed to. You didn't slam on the brakes. You didn't swerve. You did a great job. It's, it's okay. And, and, and she's like, I can't drive anymore. Okay, cool. So, so she gets out. She gets in the passenger seat. I get in the driver's seat. We drive about, like, no kidding, like five miles down the road. Maybe that's an exaggeration, but that's the way my mind remembers it. It was like five miles down the road. All of a sudden, guess what? Boom. I hit a deer. Same side. Same thing. <gasps> you know, I'm, I'm driving. I have that. And she's like, babe, did a great job. You did exactly what you're supposed to do. <laughs> we have this experience. And, and fi- we, we make it home, which praise God for. We made it home. I go out to look at the truck the next day. The, the radiator just cracked right down the, the middle. We plowed those deer. Um, the radiator just cracked. I call my dad. You know, my, my dad owns some salvage vehicles up in Kirksville, grew up around vehicles. And I was like, Dad, I just broke my radiator. What do I do? What do you mean what do you do? You fix it. Change it. Change your radiator. Like, do you even know me? Like, what? 
so I go out and, and he, he ordered me a new radiator. It came in the mail. It's like one of those things. It's like, oh, this is going to be terrible. I go out, open, open the hood of, of this truck. And have you ever had one of those experiences where you know you got to do the thing, but you just look at it for a while? Because it's like, this is, this is my life right now. This is... I don't know what I'm going to do. It, it just looked like this big puzzle, just this, this crazy mess of tubes and, and things. And, and, you know, and I, I got in there, and I just started taking bolts off, busting my knuckles, trying really hard not to throw my tools, sometimes failing, and, and just so angry. I mean, finally got it done. Long story, kind of short, got it done, you know, put the radio, whatever. Fast forward a few years. A few years ago, we're, we're driving this minivan. Go from a Dodge pickup truck to a minivan. That's fine. But driving this minivan, and uh, all of a sudden, my check engine lights are coming on, and I ask a friend of mine, Todd. I said, Todd, can you come over and, and, and help me figure out what's going on with the van? He hooks up his little computer. Oh, you need new spark plugs. Oh, new spark plugs. I open up the hood, kind of the same feeling. It's like ah, some spark plugs are back behind. It's like whoever makes these vehicles, they just should be shot because they never have to work on them. Like that's over-exaggeration. But it's like people who build them never have to work on them. It's like I don't know how to get there. But you see, there's a big difference between my first experience and second experience. My first experience, I was all alone facing this thing that seemed impossible. My second experience, I was with Todd. Todd had the right tools. Todd had the experience. Todd had the, the know-how. Todd was with me. And, and we got that thing done, no problem, ran great. See, there, there are things that change when we understand that we have presence with us. Amen? When we understand that the, the God who raises the dead, the God who brings people from, from death to life, the God who brings blind eyes to see, and when we understand that that God tabernacles, dwells within us, things change. Yeah, amen. When, when we think of what's Matthew 28, 18 through 20 say? All power and authority has been given to me, therefore, go. And what? Make disciples of who? All nations. Baptizing them, teaching them all that I have commanded you. And what does he say at the end? And I will be with you. You see, I, I love the fact that, that Jesus sandwiches the great commission by saying, look, all power and authority is mine, and I'm giving it to you. Genesis 1 right there, right? Genesis 1. All power and authority is mine, I'm giving it to you. And at the end, I'm going to be with you. I'll be with you. No matter where you go, I'm with you. No matter who you talk to, I'm with you. No matter what, what person you encounter on the side of the street, guess what? I am with you. See, the, things like the Great Commission would be impossible if we didn't have the fact that we have promised authority and promised presence. Amen? See, things change, and what we see in the birth of the church is a people who encounter the living God and become buildings where God's presence exists. But it doesn't just stop there. As we go on, what they go from, I, I won't read it to us. You can go back and, and restudy it. But what we see when we go from, from the reality that, oh, man, God's presence is, is in us like, like buildings, like tabernacles. We go from, from being buildings to being the body where God's glory is put on display. 
I mean, what happens is they have this experience. I mean, Peter preaches, and people, some people are like, oh, they're drunk. Some people are like, what in the world's going on? And, and, and people are baptized, and, and they come to know Jesus, and they come to be in relationship with God, and thousands are added. And then what happens is they come together, and they share their, their, their resources. And, and if anybody had need, they, they made it known, and people were selling farms and selling houses and selling all these different things to take care of each other. And, and what Paul describes that as in 2 Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, let's look at uh, 14, chapter, or verse 14, says, for the body, oh, it's not up there yet, <laughs> for, the, for the body, right? For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. What Paul is doing is he, is he is giving us an illustration to describe what we see in the end of Acts 2. People coming together. He's saying, it's just like a body. And how does a body work? He, he gives us these different examples. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, I would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. So first of all, as we look at this, what Paul is doing there is as he's given us this illustration, he's also trying to be funny. I think we miss that because it's, oh, the Bible, you know, okay. But what, what we see is Paul saying, hey, look, what would you think if just a big eyeball was rolling around? Would that be good? No, right? That would be terrifying. If you walk into church and it's like, oh, there's just an eyeball. Like, you know, like I, I was thinking about like, you know, taking my kids to the public pool. If we're in the pool and, you know, we're having fun and an ear floats by, fun's over, right? <laughs> now this is a crime scene. Like something bad has happened here at the pool. The police tape goes up, like shut it down. See, that's, I, I think that that's what we're supposed to experience when Paul is saying if, if the whole body were just an eye rolling around, it's like, yeah, you're right, that's not good. I think it's the same feeling that we're supposed to feel when, when people, when the body is, when parts of the body are disembodied. It's the same feeling. It's, it, there's a wrongness. There's a wrongness about it when, when parts of the body are going off and, and saying, well, I'm just going to do what hand stuff does, or I'm going to do what eye stuff does, or I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have my little niche over here. I'm going to make build my little kingdom inside the, the kingdom. And it's like, no, that's, that's not what we're called to. See, it's, it says that they, were, uh, they had all things in common. As they came together. Now, what did they have in common? It wasn't, it wasn't ethnicity. I mean, they were all Jewish, but, we, but if, you, if you read uh, earlier in chapter 2, they were from all over the, the, the world, all over these different regions, and they were coming together for this festival. But they had, they had different, different ethnic backgrounds. They had different political backgrounds. They had different, different languages. So what was the thing they had in common? I'm asking you. Jesus, right? Jesus, this Holy Spirit encounter where, where tongues of fire come in and wind and they experience the power of God and they came together and it's like, you know what? It's not about my political uh, alignment any longer. 
It's, it's about who God is. It's not about, I'm not going to identify with all these other things any longer. It's about who God is. And because they had all things together, they said, you know what? We're, we're a part of this thing. And I, I love it because as Paul is describing here, he's saying, first of all, if, if you feel like you're a lesser part of the body, you still have a place in the body. That's what, that's what that means. Like, like for, for you looking at me, there are parts of my body you can see and parts of my body that, praise God, you can't see. Right? But just because you can't see my kneecap, it doesn't mean that I don't value my kneecaps. Just in case you're wondering. Right? If I didn't have my knees, it would be very difficult to play pickleball, which I love to do. Right? <laughs> Amen. Yeah. But just because you don't see them doesn't mean they're not important. See, what Paul is saying there is he's saying, look, you might have a lesser part to play, lesser part, you know, in quotations. You might have a lesser part to play in the body, but your part is vital. And, and he goes on to, to describe after that, verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Can you imagine, you know, again, I think Paul's trying to be humorous. Can you imagine a body like the head saying, oh, feet, what do you even do for me? I don't need you. Let's just get rid of those. How's that going to work? And the hand saying, I don't, need, I don't need, you know, these different parts of my body. He's saying, look, when, when parts that may be more uh, visual than other parts, when they get this idea that they don't need the other parts, then the body is not going to work the way the body is meant to work. See, what, what he describes there is he's saying, look, lesser parts can't say, wow, just because I'm not like Troy, just because I can't play the violin, I guess I don't have a part. No, you can't do that. If you're a part of the body, you can't do that. You have a part to play. And the parts that, that are more visual can't say, well, you know, I guess, I guess service is important. <laughs> no, you can't do that. We all have a part to play. And when the parts come together, what we see is that awe came on all who were there. And God continued to, to add to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that beautiful? See, when the body comes together and, and under the, the experience of the Holy Spirit and, and the, the experience of Jesus Christ bringing, bringing new life into, into each one of us, and as we come together and say, you know what, I have a part to play here. And I, I, want, I want to know what that is and I want to be involved. What we do is we, we, not only are we the building of God where God's presence can be experienced, we're the body of God where God's glory can be put on display and we become the bridge for people to experience a holy God bringing life into dead bodies. That's, that's what happened here. They became a bridge, these people from all over, from, from different ethnicities, different languages, different, different cultural backgrounds. They experienced a God who saves. And it was because people who, who had this experience were coming together as the, as the building of God, the body of God, all the parts coming together, playing their part. They were coming together, and now they were the bridge to God. See, that's, that's what we see. That's what we can see. Right? When, when, when people come together in this way, Paul, Paul talks about it, us being, uh, being ambassadors for Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 
verses 16 through 21, he says, From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making this appeal through us, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He says, we have the ministry of reconciliation. Those who have experienced the presence of God, those who are coming together to be the body, we have the ministry of reconciliation. We are ambassadors for Christ. What's that mean? To be an ambassador for Christ, especially in this cultural time period, what that meant is, is as a king was coming through and as, as they were conquering cities and lands and territories, they would send ambassadors on ahead of them. And they would say, they, they would go to, to the, the leadership or the, the government of those different cities, the kings of those different cities, and they would say, hey, my king's coming. He's on his way. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. And this is what it looks like to be a part of his kingdom. You in, you out. That's what an ambassador would do. And Paul says we are that, we are those ambassadors for Jesus. As we've talked about throughout this, throughout this series, there are different, different places, especially like uh, in, in Exodus and, and we're talking about the Torah and, and David. There are places where we see the Israelites coming together and saying, we want a king just like everybody else. The problem was they weren't supposed to be like everybody else. We want a king who can, who can fight for us and, and you know, who, can, who can continue to, to say might makes right. And yet the problem was they weren't supposed to, to succumb to that way of thinking that might makes right. You see, they were supposed to be a part of a different kingdom. And the same is true for us today. We are meant to be part of a different kingdom, and we are meant to be ambassadors for that kingdom. When, when the world around us says, well, this is how you get ahead in your job. When the world around us says, well, this is how you save money when you do your taxes. Just fudge a little bit here and there. When the world says, well, this is how, how you get a spouse. You kind of got a date like this, and you got to kind of, you know, I mean, all, all, you know, we just got to kind of do the things that you got to do to get a spouse. You see, we as ambassadors for Christ, we are the ones who are, who are meant, because we have this experience with God, we are the ones who say, no, we have a better way. Let me show you. Jesus himself says in, in uh, John, in, in the book of John, he says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. See, my, my prayer for us is that this is the church that we would be. We would be the, the building where God's presence is experienced. We would be the body that comes together and, and says, okay, I, I, you know, I may not have a lot to offer, but I know that I have a place in this, and so, so let's go. Let's figure it out. And, and we would be, because of that, we would be the bridge for people to experience a living holy God. See, they, I, I love, there's, there's one story I was thinking about with this, this message. Uh, about a year ago, and almost to the day, I believe, there was actually a hurricane in Iowa, which it's like, that's, yeah, 2020, that makes sense, you know? 
Uh, you guys hear about this? It's called the derecho. I don't even know what that word really stands for. Um, but, but it was this crazy. I know, I know Iowa. It's like we don't talk about what happens north of Missouri. You know, it's fine. I'm with you. Um, but, but I remember driving around um, Iowa. It was, it was crazy because it went from one week, uh, some farmer friends of ours talking about how crazy the corn harvest was going to be and there's just, you know, there's going to be so much corn because the corn was so tall and it was growing so well. It went from one week to the, the hurricane happening to the next week driving around and seeing field after field after field just flattened because of these straight line winds. And place in, in Cedar Rapids with a church that we used to be a part of, there, there, tons of people had no power because trees were down all over the place and, and it was just, it was it was like a war zone. We drove around the city, and it, like you could not get through roads because there were so many things. And yet the church there in, in that city, Veritas Church in Cedar Rapids, they said, you know what? We, we can be the, the building and the body and the bridge in the midst of this tragedy. They opened up, they did things like they opened up the church and said, people don't have air conditioning, so let's just open up the church and let people come hang out, charge their phones or, or, or whatever, whatever they need to do. The, you know, people didn't have power, so they had, uh, they had laundry services in the church, and they let people come in and do their laundry. And then people would say, you know what, I don't have a lot to offer, but I know how to run a chainsaw. And so they had teams of people going out into the community, cutting up trees and, and allowing people. One, one person I heard their story, they said, you know what, they, their whole... They had, they had a little bit of an acreage, not a ton, but it was full of trees. And that, the next morning they woke up and they looked at the devastation. Not one tree was left standing. All the trees were all over and they couldn't even get out of their house. And they said, it is going to take us months to dig out from this. The church came and by the end of that afternoon, everything was cleared out. It was crazy because not only were those the stories that were told, but then the stories came that said, you know what? I want to know Jesus now because I want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of a group that responds in that way. I want to be a part of a group where, where they respond to people that they don't know with love and kindness and action and, uh, and, and they actually move and, and do things. I want to be a part of that group. And people came to know Jesus not because of, I, I want to be careful because this is, correct theology is incredibly important. But people came to know Jesus that day not because of correct theology, but because people knew how to run chainsaws and they, they allowed themselves to be used in, in ways that were unconventional. You see, I think things happen when we allow the, the, the experience we've had to move us and people come to know God because they see people moved by the Spirit of God working together as the body, putting God on display. Do you hear me in that? See, my prayer for us, church, this morning is that that's the type of church we would be. That we would be a type of church that comes together and say, I don't know what this costs me, but I, I want in. I don't, I don't know what this is gonna mean for me. I don't know what it means. I, I don't even know what part I can play, but I want to play a part in this. I have experienced the Holy Spirit. I have experienced his presence in my life, and I wanna be a part of a body of believers who, who, are, who are going out and who are impacting our community for the glory of God, amen? 
And because of that, I believe that people will cross that bridge to, to receive Jesus in their lives and, and know him and come from death to life. I believe that. And this morning, what we're going to do right now in response is we're going to take communion. And, and we're going to take communion, and there's going to be people around the room that are going to be holding, holding the, the elements. And, and what I believe communion is, is this is an opportunity, this is an invitation for us as people who have experienced God, this is an invitation for us to say, yes, I want to be a part. I don't know what it means, but I want to be a part. You see, there, there were two groups of people who responded in Acts 2. There were people who mocked and wrote it off and said, ah, they're drunk. And I love, it always cracks me up. Peter's like, I'm not drunk. It's 9 o'clock in the morning. Who gets drunk at 9 o'clock in the morning? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think that's humorous. But there were people who wrote it off, and there were people who said, man, I don't know what this is, but I know I want to be a part of it. See, I believe that we have an invitation here this morning, and there will probably be people, there will probably be those of us in here this morning who will say, well, there's reasons that I can't do that. There's reasons that, you know, you don't know what you're asking of me. I gotta protect myself. I gotta be for me. I, you don't know what you're asking of me. There are gonna be people who write it off. And yet I believe there will be so many of us in here who who maybe by, by God's grace will say, yeah, I don't know what that means, but I want to be a part of it. And this is, this is the invitation. So as, as Troy and um, the others come up and as they play, whenever you're ready, as, as you seek the Lord, as you ask God, and, and this really is for, for those of you who have said, yes, I want to be a part, and, and for those of you who are saying, I, I want to say yes this morning, this is for us to say, God, I want you not only to be my Savior, but I want you to be my Lord. So as they play, whenever you're ready, let's get up and, and we're going to take the, the elements. We're going to bring them back to our seats. And then um, when the song is done, I'm going to come back up and we're going to take communion together. And together as a body, we're going to say, yes, we want to be the body and the building and the bridge so that more people can know Jesus. Amen? Amen. This sermon is part of the ministry of Compass Evangelical Free Church in Columbia, Missouri. We seek to be a church where Christ's love is at work transforming lives through the power of the Spirit to the glory of God. For more information, check out compassefc.com.